Welcome to worship at Salem Alliance Church. Let's join Steve Dan Garen, associate pastor, as he begins. A sacred place for me is someplace in my own heart and my head. A sacred place, somewhere you feel safe. A sacred place. Yeah, just your definition. I, I, I think one where you could commune with God. That would be a place where God is and where I would connect with God. A sacred place is a place I can go and feel comfortable and feel uh, I'm just right there with the Lord. You feel safe and loved, um, nurtured. I guess any place where I felt where I felt the presence of God. But yet, there can be a sacred place where I didn't feel it, too, and it'd still be sacred. Because God's everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. Peaceful, safe, and encouraging, hopeful. It could be in uh, your living room sitting in, this, in the easy chair. Somewhere where you're totally quiet. You can commune with God without interference or any of that kind of, of thing at all. I'd say um, a place where you can have that one-on-one time without distractions. Uh, a place that is holy, a place that is quiet, a place that is peaceful. The, the first place was, was um, the beach and a sunset. That was the first place I would remember. I would say out in the garden. Uh, out hiking one time. I was out by myself and in the in the in the woods. In my home in Portland, I had a glass tea house, and it was in the backyard, and it was surrounded by nature and a little pond. And I would often go there and have time of devotion and a time of prayer. And many times, the Lord, I think, has spoke to me in that setting. Well, it just was at my house. It was recent, so it was just in my room. Our home has been very um, sacred place for us and probably church, a lot of prayer at church. And something as strange as when I was um, probably in high school or college, I was sweeping out the garage for my parents and I was singing a song and uh, it just broke me down. <laughs> That's, that's so, a garage, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, many years ago, my husband and I made Crucio, which is a, it's a Christian, kind of a Christian weekend uh, walk with Christ. And we, the group I was in, we divide up into tables, and the group I was in went into the chapel Saturday evening to pray, and I really, really felt the presence of Christ. Christ was in that room, and that to me was extremely sacred. My old house, uh, I used to live at this community house, and in the top floor there was this open room that uh, sometimes I'd go hang out in to either read my Bible, and sometimes someone else would be up there, and we'd be just at a really nice, chill time to... I don't know, talk about whatever's on our heart. One of those sacred places for me and my family is, uh, like some of you, is our home. It's a place of, uh, oh, tranquility, let's say, and it's a place of quiet. And you're thinking, that's not like my home. Well, it hasn't always been that way because uh, about eight years ago, it was just a big mound of dirt. 
Some of you walked that mound with me over there in West Salem, and there was a point at which we didn't even have a a blueprint, anything written down on paper. It was just dreams and ideas. One of the first things that my wife Janet and I had to do was, uh, was wade through our great debate. My wife deciding, uh, wanting to put uh, all of the room in the kitchen and me wanting to put all of the room in the garage. I uh, decided, well, okay, I, I can compromise. I'll, I'll turn my, uh, my athletic closet for golf clubs, bikes, tennis rackets. I can cut that down. Let's just make it say 20 by 20. And uh, my wife said, well, I'll do you one better. I can, uh, I can make the kitchen about 30 by 30. How about that? And you know how these things go. And it wasn't until the day when we actually put the hard hats on and whipped out the plans and began to see the dream become reality. The cornerstones, the foundation the inner walls, where would the bedrooms go, and how big would the kitchen really be, and would I get my 100 by 100 garage? And as the plans have been brewing uh, for many, many months now across the way at Broadway, we have been asking ourselves some of those same questions. What will this room be for, and what what will that landing, you know, who's going to be up there talking, and and, and what's going to happen out here in the, in the, in, in the, the garden area? And who will be singing or, or talking right there in that, in that amphitheater? And, and all these questions and dreams and wondering, what are you doing, God? Well, maybe that's the way it is in some of your lives. Maybe some of you are new at the, at the, at the faith, new, at the, new in your walk with God, and, and you know, the, the blueprint's still just a little bit fuzzy. You're not exactly sure what it is that God has laid out for you, and you know, that's a great place to be, because it's all about dreams, and it's all about hopes. Sure, there are days when it's confusing, and you wonder, well, am I going anywhere? Do I have a future? Well, I'm here to tell you today, yeah, you do. You got a great future, and if you know Jesus as your Savior, He has made some promises to you that we're going to talk about in just a second. Maybe some of you are more on my end of the spectrum, and the, the plans have been laid, and you've followed Christ for many years, and maybe for some of you, you've said, I, I like where the, the boundary lines have fallen in my life, and I'm, and I'm good with what God's doing in my life, and, and boy, if that's you, I just say, praise God, and let's go follow Him with our whole hearts, and Maybe there are some of you who say, it's a little cockeyed on the page, and I don't know if I've liked how this has turned out. As a matter of fact, this wall over here, I just wish it was gone. And, you know, this room over here, I got some bad memories there, and I just like to wipe that off of my my blueprint. And maybe there are some of you who have said, uh, I just as soon do away with the blueprint altogether and start my own. Well, I don't know where you are in your life, but uh, today in our sacred place, God has a design. I call it a a blueprint for the future that I'd like us to look at together. And and let's see how this blueprint impacts our lives individually. So what I'm going to have you do is uh, grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 16. And as you're turning there, it's important to note a couple of things. If we're really going to get our hands around the book of Genesis, there are a couple of important uh, notes to take on this book. 
First of all, Genesis is really laid out in two parts. 50 chapters in two parts. The first part is, I call it the origins of the human race. In Genesis 1 to 11, and it lays out like this. Chapter 1, the creation of the world. Chapters 2 and 3, the story of Adam and Eve and the beginning of the human race. Chapter 4, their kids, Cain and Abel. Chapters 5 to 10, Noah's family as it, uh, as, it, as it spreads out across the planet. And then chapter 11, the nations are scattered at the Tower of Babel. Now, the second part of the book comes with the rest of the chapters. I call it the, the history now. It's, it's focused in on a specific people group. The history of the nation of Israel. And it lays out like this, chapters 12 to 50. Uh, Abraham and Sarah, the grandfathers of a nation of promise in 12 to 20. One of their children now becomes even the narrower focus, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, chapters 21 to 25. And then one of their sons, Jacob, and his family, 25 to 50, begins to depict and tell the story of, of this uh, grandson now of Abraham. And then his sons, Jacob's name would be changed in these chapters to Israel or wrestling with God. And his sons are the final segment of the book. And then we, we close the book of Genesis with one of Jacob's sons, the death of Joseph in chapter 50. Now, there is one other thing that you need to understand about this book. If we're really going to capture the, the setting, and I'm going to have you turn to verse 16 and the second thing that we need to understand about the book of Genesis is that the family of promise, as you're seeing on the screen, you might think perhaps this is a, a biblical family, and so they must have been a model family. And you know what? Uh, as you have read the text, you have come to understand very quickly this was anything but a, but a model family. Case in point, verse 1, chapter 16. Now, Sarah... Abram's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Well, this was a pretty bad idea and it led to disastrous results, as you well know. And here is Mom Sarah saying, I don't like your blueprint, God. I think I'm just going to toss it out and I'll start building my own family. Thank you very much. And the family of promise begins with very inauspicious beginnings. We continue to read about this troubled family in chapter 27. Turn there with me. I don't have time to read all of this to you, but let me start the, the story. Isaac is now old on his deathbed. It says his eyes were so weak, he was blind, he could no longer see. He called for his oldest son, Esau, brother of Jacob. And he said to him, my son. And Esau responded, here I am. And you know the rest of the story. And it was the story of the, the birthright, the blessing to be given to the oldest son, Esau. And you might know that at this time in history, this was common practice. This was an ancient rite where the oldest son, like perhaps some of you, they were called into the father's presence. And as happened from Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, and so on, the eldest son received a larger portion of the inheritance. 
He received the honored title of the family name to carry on the family. And he received the responsibility and the privilege of leading his entire family. And that's what Esau, oldest son, expected. And we know from this story that through a a cunning plot, a deception of mother, Rebecca, and brother, Jacob, the blessing or the birthright and all that goes with it was stolen away from Esau, which again solidified the, the broken relationships, the mistrust, and all that followed the nation of Israel. Though called by God, though blessed by God, and though used by God in the future, these beginnings trouble. Now we pick up the story over in verse 41, chapter 27. We read this. Esau... Remember, oldest brother, stolen, birthright, held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. The the blessing that he, in fact, deserved. And he said to himself, the days of of mourning for my father are near. My father is near his deathbed. Then I will kill my brother. So now we move from simple deception, cunning and deceit, to murderous plots. You know, I I think it's interesting, God's timing in our lives, is it not? I think it's interesting that uh, when I've read this text, I've, I've asked myself, now, God, why didn't you intervene earlier? You know, maybe it could have been right after the, right after the, the, the situation with, with, with Sarah and Abram, and, and, and maybe if you had entered into the family of promise at that point, and, and if you'd just shown up right then and made your presence known and, and sort of redirected them, or how about right after, right after the twins were born, Jacob and Esau, and, you know, maybe if you'd spoken more clearly to, to Isaac and Rebekah, and you, you'd sort of averted this birthright situation, and maybe then there wouldn't have had to be a, a plotting of death and so on and so forth. And have you ever wondered... God, your your timing. I just don't get it. Have you ever been in that place where you have said to God, I don't know if I understand where my life is headed, and I don't know if I understand all of the outlines, and I don't know if I understand the design for my life. And here I am now in a place, perhaps like Jacob, See, Jacob, he learned of the plot, and he took out on the run, desperate, probably penniless, the blueprint for his life all but gone. Where are you taking me? One other little point with with Jacob, perhaps like some of us, I think he was at a point in his life where he was so broken So desperate. I think he got to a point in his life where he said, I don't even know if you exist, God. You know, I've heard of you. I know that you are the God of my father, Isaac, and the God of my grandfather, Abram. And I've read of you, and I've heard of you. And I think Jacob got to a point of saying, I'll just take care of my own life, thank you. I'll go write my own blueprint. Is that any of you? 
Maybe you face some disappointments. Maybe you have been a, a part of a, of a plot of cunning and deception and you were on the short end and, and you were the Esau and you said somewhere in your heart, maybe not literally, but you got to a point where you said, if this is what God is about, I don't want anything to do with it. I'll just write my own blueprint. Thank you. All right, I want to say a couple of things to you before we continue on in this text. I think there are some things that, that God has made very clear in his word. And, and I want to read a couple of those things to you. He says to us in the book of Jeremiah, you know that we studied that book extensively last year. And some of those verses have become so meaningful to me. And one of them is in Gen- uh, Jeremiah 29.11. It says 33.3, but it's really 29.11. Look at this verse. It says this. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It may seem like you have no future. It may seem like the future that's in front of you is not very appealing. Or it may seem like if you go ahead and write your own plans, it will be better. When in fact, God the one who knows us best and loves us most, he has a blueprint and a plan. If you'll wait on him, he'll reveal that plan, maybe not in the timing you'd hoped for, but he will reveal it. And the word goes on to say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, He, God, who began a good work, every good gift is from God, Hey, he'll complete it. He is not going to leave the construction of your life half done. He is not going to leave out all of the important pieces in your life. He is not going to leave out the spaces that you need and the situations that you need to build you into the person he's designed you to be, even though it at times feels like he doesn't have an idea of what I need. Oh, yeah, he does. It's just, see, he's got a purpose that's a little bit bigger. (laughs) It's a little bit more thought through. He knows you. It's like this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24, where he says, faithful is he who calls you. See, if, if you've named the name of Christ as your Savior, he's called you. He's called all of us. And he says, and that calling, by the way, you don't need to to worry whether or not it will come to pass because I'll even do that for you. I'll even make sure that it happens. So you may wonder, well, so then what do I do? What's my part? And and, and how do I... I discern what the, the blueprint of God is for my life. And that's where I want to take us in the text now. I want to talk about what I call a, a, a blueprint for the future. 
And, and before I go there, I, I just want you to know if if you're saying if you're saying to yourself, "Oh man, I, I knew I should have come to church today." I just I just hope he tells me, you know, should I should I move to this city or should I should I go to that college or you know should I take that job or you know should I marry this person? And, oh man, I, I just wish I could tell you all of that. And if anybody can, don't listen to him because it's probably not right. I don't know about those details. But what I do know is, is that there are cornerstones and foundation points that God has laid out clearly in his word. And that if we build our lives upon those foundation points, whatever we build will be solid. Whatever we build, no matter where our life goes, it will be pleasing to him. And no matter where our life takes us, oh, we, we will find the, the, the purpose and satisfaction and hope that we're looking for. So, let's continue on into the text. Let's pick up the story of Jacob. He is now on the run. He has heard about the plot for his life. Verse 10 of chapter 28. We continue. Jacob left Beersheba, his home, and it says he set out for Haran to to be with his uncle. His mother said, I've got the perfect place for you, the perfect refuge. Verse 11, and when he reached a certain place, by the way, it's as if to say he he didn't really have a, a direct route. It was just sort of this random place. You can imagine if you're on the run for your life. He stopped for the night because the sun had set and he took up a stone and put it under his head and lay down to sleep. I get the picture that he was poor and penniless and pillowless. All he had was the clothes on his back and he grabbed a stone and stuck it under his head. I mean, this guy was desperate. And right there, right in his moment of greatest need, just like he does with some of us, He meets Jacob, and this is what happened. Verse 12. He had a dream, and in that dream, he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending, going up and down as if to say, Jacob, all of heaven and earth are under my control. I want to show you a picture. I want to show you a bigger picture. Verse 13, and there above it stood the Lord, and this is what he said. Now, I want you to read this next section very carefully with me, because in this section, I believe that that God lays out some specific, some very specific designs for Jacob's future that relate to you and me as well. This is what God said in his dream Jacob's head on the rock, laying in a place that he, he hadn't planned on. And here God meets him and says, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abram, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will be spread out to the west and to the east and to the north, and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
and your family or your offspring. Verse 15. Jacob, I want you to remember this. I am with you. These are inspiring words, are they not? See, these these are words that, that speak of hopefulness, even in the midst of uncertainty. These are words of speak of a of a future, right in the midst of utter futility. See, here's here's what I read in these words. Words that I I think relate very much to us. I think think one of the cornerstones of the, the blueprint for the future that God lays out for Jacob, and I think that he is laying out for us, I call it the the cornerstone of purpose. Purpose. Because listen to this. God says, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Now, can you imagine what Jacob must have been thinking? Okay, wait a minute, God. My brother Esau, you know, the hunter, the marksman, he he is after me and you're you're telling me that I'm going to come back here one day? I think the last place that Jacob thought he would ever be would be back home. God says, oh yeah, you're coming home. And oh yeah, you're going to deal with these issues. And we know from later scriptures that he does face his brother. One day, 20 years later, he will face his brother. And God says, right in the midst of all this uncertainty, all the futility, all of the struggles and the mistrust and all that's happening in your life, here is your purpose. One day, you and your family, you don't even have a wife yet. You don't even have a home yet. You don't even know where you're going to lay your head tomorrow. One day, this purpose will be clear to you. You and your family will be a blessing to the entire world. You will be used by me to uniquely bless, to uniquely give and serve and lead a nation, a a whole generation of people that know me and follow me and love me. That's your purpose. Now, have you ever been in the place of Jacob where Maybe you've been in a church service like this or you've been up on a mountaintop and you've been in one of those sacred places and and God somehow miraculously speaks to you, maybe through his word, maybe through a friend, maybe through an interior voice, but you have this sense that God is asking you to do something. You know what Jacob's first response to that was? Verse 17, no surprise here. He was afraid, and he said, this place is awesome, but I am scared to death. You've got to be kidding. You can use me. You have a purpose for my life and the proverbial and all that I have done. Oh, yeah. Exactly who you are. Exactly where you are. God says, I've got a purpose for you. Well, he... The dream goes on, and 
There's another cornerstone. Verse 15. These four powerful, potent, small little words. I am with you. Presence of God. God with us. It's so evident in Christ. When he came to earth. The heavens declared God with us. Friends, if you have declared your allegiance to Christ, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you run, no matter where you hide, he is with you. If you've been faithfully walking with him, and you have, you have, your whole life you have said, I, I want to follow, and you have been faithful at that. God is with you, yes? God is with us, all of us. If you've named the name of Jesus and you have made him your own, he says, I am with you. I love it. Was it several months ago, Steve Fowler was standing on this platform and, and he led us uh, through a similar passage. And you remember him saying to us, Hey, we could, be, we could be driven and consumed by a lot of things around here. And we've got a lot of great stuff going on. And we have all sorts of things that could, that could keep our attention. And we could be focused. And we could be focused on programs. And we could be focused on buildings. And we could be focused on all sorts of good things that God is doing that he has led us to. But all of that, the foundation of it all is the presence of God saying, I am with you. I am leading you. I am providing for you. It's all of my plan. So first, make it. About me. See, I don't know about the specifics of your situation, but I know this. No matter where you are, if you've, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, he's with you. And he's got a purpose for you. There's one last thing I want to I show you. Verse 18, it says, Earlier the next morning, Jacob took up the stone placed it under his head, and he called the place Bethel, which means the house of God, which, which depicts this whole story of the presence of God landing and being with him. And this was his response. It was actually a vow. Verse 20, he says, If God, if you will be with me and watch over me, if you will do all of these things, if you really mean this, God, it's as if he's just pleading, Oh, God, really, really, could this happen in my life? If that's true, I will return safely to my father's house. I'll go back. I'll fulfill my purpose. I will face my brother and then you will be my God. See, I think another cornerstone, perhaps, pillar of the blueprint of our lives, it's how we respond. It's this pledge, this promise that we make back to God. I understand. I may not always see how it works, and I may not always get it, and I, there may be even parts of the blueprint that I don't even like, but God, I understand, and I promise, I pledge to you, you will be my God, and to you, I promise to follow your blueprint from this day forward. No longer my plans. No longer my visions for the future. But your plans. 
your dreams and your vision. Been listening to Steve Dan Guerin, Associate Pastor at Salem Alliance Church. If you've enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to be our guest at our worship service on our main campus at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem. Worship services are Saturday at 5 and 6.30 p.m. and again on Sunday at 8, 9.30 and 11 a.m. If you'd like to receive a free Bible and more information on how to become a Christ follower, feel free to call our office at 503-581-2129. We'd love to know how we can serve you. And once again, that's Salem Alliance Church at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem.